This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. Welcome back, good people, to the Destination Debbie program. I appreciate you checking out the channel, checking out the podcast, whether you're listening to it in your car or you're watching it at work or at your computer. Much love. Definitely, definitely appreciate it. And I would also appreciate it if you smash that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. That way, every time new stuff drops, it's right there on your phone or computer. And if you prefer to listen to it in your car, subscribe to the Destination Debbie podcast. Much, much appreciated. But week three of the NFL is in the books. I'm recording this on Monday night. The Chiefs and the Ravens are just finishing up. Another solid performance from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 20 carries. Think when I stopped watching, 64 yards. Also had another 70 yards through the air. J.K. Dobbins, while he did not do it on the ground, he was involved in the air. And, you know, honestly, the Ravens had, I believe, 20 combined carries between Ingram, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, and J.K. Dobbins. So while it was a little disappointing to, to not see Dobbins more involved in the ground game, his usage through the air and him getting acclimated to this offense is, is, is encouraging. And like I said a couple of shows back, the J.K. Dobbins breakout is not going to happen unless Mark Ingram, Ingram gets hurt or more importantly and more likely scenario in 2021 when the Ravens decide to feature J.K. Dobbins. But another strong performance from Edwards E. Lair. And look, the answer to the question that I asked all throughout the pre-draft process towards the end of the college football season last year was the LSU offense a product of Joe Brady or were those players actually good? And right now, it looks like the damn players were actually that that good. Joe Burrow is doing his thing. We'll talk about another wide receiver that has done his thing this past week. And I just talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So that team was really, really good. And I think more of the credit needs to be given to Joe Burrow and those players and not as much credit to the coordinators. It was a beautiful marriage, right? I'm not going to diminish what Joe Brady was able to do. 
but he did have very, very good players who are performing at the next level. But I'm very excited about this show. And let me make a disclaimer. Let me say this, because after last week's episode, I got so much feedback. Oh my God, Ray, how on earth can you say that a rookie is rising or falling? It's only been two weeks. Listen, if I knew the damn future, I would tell you what these guys actually did by week 17, but I don't. This is a dynamic show. We will continue to adjust these rookies each and every week as the season goes on because that is where we're looking to either extract and move an asset that has gained value or we're looking to hold or acquire an asset and that changes that volatility changes week to week so what this show is designed to do is give you an idea week to week of what players you should be targeting what players look a little sketchy and you may want to move on from or what players you want to stash away because they actually showed something so please please for all you out out there who were complaining about they're not really being risers and fallers there are and there will be on this show on the destination devi this is the risers and fallers week three edition we'll jump into it right after we hear a word from my man gus johnson drop the intro baby all right let's pop this off with the rookies i finally did it co rookies of the week both of these players balled out one of these players seems to be the hot wave on twitter social media espn sports talk radio every single place you go james robinson yes the thursday night game the jaguars versus the dolphins and james robinson does it again we've talked about this guy Every week, week one, week two, and in week three, he did not disappoint. On the ground, didn't have a ton of rushing yards. I think he had 40, 46 rushing yards on 11 carries, but he did score two touchdowns, and he was actively involved in the receiving game. Six receptions for 83 yards. You love to see it in fantasy football. And, you know, I, I know that Devon Zigbo is coming back, and Raquel Armstead will be off of COVID after this week, so they, I believe they are eligible to return in week four. But this is James Robinson's job. This should be, he should be the primary ball carrier, even if they work in some other guys because Chris Thompson does not look very good. So they may have to work in a Zigbo or a Raquel Armstead. This should be James Robinson's job for the end of the season, barring some injury. Now, what do we do with James Robinson? What do we do? Right now in Dynasty Leagues, he is fetching first-round picks plus. I'm in a Debbie League where there were some players involved, but the big pieces that move were James Robinson and Jamar Chase. Me, personally, personally, I am not all the way sold on James Robinson as a long-term asset in fantasy football, especially in Dynasty. If I were offered a 2021 first-round pick for James Robinson, he'd be on a first-class ticket and he'd be off my roster. That's just how I feel personally. Second round pick, I, I would be, I would have been okay with that prior to last week, but the value that he has right now, you should be able to get a first plus James Robinson. And again, I think it's a win-win situation. If you are a true contender in need of running back or flex help, he's somebody that I believe can help you win a fantasy title in 2020. And he might be part of the part of the Jaguars' plans in the future. However, you're talking about an undrafted free agent with a coaching staff who most likely will turn over at the end of the season. New coaching staff comes in, not a lot invested in James Robinson, nothing invested in him. He was an undrafted free agent. And while he looked, he looks good right now, he has no competition behind him for touches and targets. So it's everything is falling into place. 
and give him credit. He has looked outstanding in the opportunities that he's received. I think this is a rare case of a win-win on either side. If you trade for James Robinson, you're obviously a contender. You believe in the talent. That's a win for you. You've got a low-end, low-to-mid RB1 potentially for the rest of the season. If you are able to extract a first-round pick, in a move, uh, shipping James Robinson off, I do believe that's a win. So this is a situation where I don't think there's an obvious winner or loser. Me, personally, not all the way sold. He does it a couple of more weeks, and I'll be all in. But for week three, James Robinson damn sure gets Rookie of the Week accolades, as well as Justin, Mr. 4TD himself, Jefferson. He finally erupts. He comes alive. And listen... Justin Jefferson was my wide receiver four coming into the 2020 class. The only players I had ranked ahead of him were CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Rager, and Jerry Judy. He was a tier one wide receiver prospect for me. Everything that you want out of a wide receiver, he's able to do that. He's got the deep speed to hit home runs. He's got run after the catch ability. He has great separation. He knows how to run routes. He's physical. He's tough. He's reliable. He's a good wide receiver, and he finally got an opportunity to shine on Sunday, and boy, did he take advantage of it. Seven for 175 and one, and he's just got that cocky, confident swag, that era to his game. I love watching Justin Jefferson play. He looks like he's having a damn good time out there, and I have a damn good time owning him in fantasy football. Now, when I talked about him during the pre-draft process, what his ceiling could be, I think his ceiling is a better version of Jarvis Landry. I, I don't see him entering into that elite echelon of wide receivers in the NFL, especially for fantasy football, but I see him being a rock solid, locked and loaded, high end wide receiver two that can give you wide receiver one seasons like kind of quietly right Jarvis Landry's done that PPR gobbling up the receptions gobbling up the targets I believe Justin Jefferson has that type of ceiling which is outstanding I mean truly this guy came from nothing to something he was barely recruited out of high school probably only got a scholarship because both his brothers played at LSU he goes there does nothing as a freshman breaks out as a sophomore and then explodes in his junior season really happy for Justin Jefferson. Fantastic player. He led the Vikings in targets. Kirk Cousins was looking his way early and often. And I've said on this program, if you rock with me, you know, I've said this. I said that he will be the primary receiving option in Minnesota's passing attack before the end of the season. Good start. Week three, Justin Jefferson, stock up, wheels up for Justin Jefferson. Now, since there was so much damn backlash over the risers and fallers, we'll still talk about that, but I'm going to break this down positionally. So let's start with the quarterbacks, and there's not much to talk about. Joe Burrow's good, you guys. Joe Burrow, I know the Bengals tied with the Philadelphia Eagles, but Joe Burrow, once again, 44 passing attempts, 31 completions, 312 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. He's good. He's really really good and I you know I, Tua was my quarterback one for a very long time and I want to see Tua play but right now Joe Burrow is as advertised right even with the growing pains in Cincinnati the offensive line is putrid there is the non-existent rushing attack right now he is finding his guys primarily Tyler Boyd AJ Green you guys I, I don't know AJ I don't know love the player love the player he is clearly not going to be in Cincinnati's long-term plans 
but they've got a guy that I'll talk about when I get to the wide receiver position who will be in the Cincinnati Bengals long-term plans. Joe Burrow looked outstanding. Justin Herbert, in a loss, looked really good as well. He had his moments up and down, missed a couple of throws, but we knew that about Justin Herbert coming into the NFL. Has some inconsistency issues, but the talent is there. The physicality is there. He took a massive hit in that game, goes out for a play. Easton Stick comes in right next play. They, they call the timeout, get Justin Herbert back on the field. Again, they lost that game, but this is good news for us Keenan Allen owners, for us Austin Eckler owners. Maybe not as good of news for us Joshua Kelly owners, but Keenan Allen, 19 targets, 19 targets in one game. Yeah, I'll take that. He, he's looking for his number one. He's locked in on him and he gets it to him. Austin Eckler, 11 targets. That's what we drafted Austin Eckler for at the top of the second round, the back of the first round in startup drafts this year was his receptions, his receiving floor combined with his rushing upside. Hey, this is good news. Hunter Henry still got in the mix. I believe he had five receptions, 50 yards. So there's still plenty to go around. Herbert is mobile. Herbert is young. 330 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 49 pass attempts. Wild, you probably don't want Herbert throwing 49 times, but definitely the arrow pointed up. Listen, we since the last rookie report, uh, Tyrod Taylor punctured lungs. Uh, there's reports that he's not ruled out for week four yet. It seems like Anthony Lynn really wants to get him back on the field. I, I don't think they want Tyrod to go out with an injury, um, but Herbert is clearly the quarterback of the future and probably should remain the starting quarterback if and when Tyrod comes back healthy. But definitely, um, uh, I'll still say stock up for Justin Herbert. He's looked a lot better than people gave him credit for. Stock up for Joe Burrow. I don't know how much higher it can go, but definitely a riser for the rookie quarterback position. Now let's dive into the RBs. And I told you guys, I told you about little old J.J. Taylor from the New England Patriots two weeks ago that he was somebody that you just if he's on waivers in dynasty pick him up if you're making a deal throw jj taylor in the deal he led new england's backfield in in rushing attempts i know rex burkhead scored the touchdowns he had the receiving production but jj taylor 11 carries 43 yards wasn't a punch but they're working him in they're working him in and damian harris comes off ir it's going to be very interesting to see how this backfield shapes up once Damian Harris gets back in the fold, does, does J.J. Taylor get relegated to the bench? Does Sonny Michelle take a backseat? Does Josh, does Damian Harris take a backseat? But right now, still a rookie riser for me. And I'm telling you, just if he's out there, pick him up, taxi him, hold him. J.J. Taylor's got explosiveness. I don't think he's ever going to be an RB1 or RB2, but you're talking about an RB3 flex play. Definitely could develop into that sometime in the future. And what does he cost you? Not much of anything. Grab J.J. Taylor. All right, a man that I thought was dust, but he rose from the ashes. Uh, Anthony McFarlane, you know, one of the running backs that I had talked about coming out of Maryland, his explosiveness, much different than the other two running backs that Pittsburgh has. James Conner is the man. Benny Snell looked great in week one, looked putrid in week two, and then in week three was almost outtouched by Anthony McFarlane. Trend for Benny Snell is going down. The arrow for Anthony McFarlane is pointed up. He had a long of 20 yards. Looked explosive. That's what Anthony McFarlane is. He's an explosive runner. Much different than a James Conner. Much different than a Benny Snell. Hey, 
Hey, Mac, if, you know, James Conner has not been the model of health. So if you're in these tournament Scott Fish Bowls in your dynasty home leagues, if you can go snag Anthony McFarlane off of waivers, if you can go trade for Throwman as a, as a trade-in for a deal, might not be a bad idea. Just in the event that something happens to James Conner, you might have a potential RB2 on your hands with Anthony McFarlane. Stock arrow pointed up for Anthony McFarlane. Antonio Gibson, another week of Washington looking horrible. This is more about Dwayne Haskins not being able to get his guys involved. It's hurting Terry McLaurin. It's also hurting the rushing attack. The offensive line already isn't very good. But Antonio Gibson, I'm still good with Gibson. Nine carries, 49 yards, one touchdown. He did have three receptions for 11 yards. So it wasn't a horrible day. But we're just waiting for him to be able to get loose. I feel like every carry is like three yards, four yards. But they're still featuring him. He's still involved in the offense, and when they got down to the goal line, he was the back that was inserted to score that touchdown. So I, I'm I'm still very bullish on uh on in what's his name Antonio Gibson, and we'll see if this offense can take a step forward and progress. But Gibson is still good. I know there was a little concern. I think I had a little bit of panic, little bit of panic with Antonio Gibson a week ago, but that's kind of mellowed out. He's good. He should be safe, and he should remain the starter for the Washington. Washington football team for the remainder of this season. Now, let's let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about this guy. But I got to get something to drink because I got to get something to drink before we get into this. All right. Let's talk about this guy. DeAndre Swift. So my comments were lit, lit the F up because I mentioned DeAndre Swift as a rookie faller, and I said a tad bit of a faller last week. And oh my God, he had five receptions for 60 yards. I get it. I understand that he was involved in the receiving game. And he was also involved in the receiving game this past week versus Arizona. He had one reception for 19 yards and didn't touch the ball on the ground. That's my problem. It has nothing to do with DeAndre Swift. I am a huge DeAndre Swift fan, and for the longest, DeAndre Swift was my RB1 in the 2020 class. I, I tried to block out, and I was wrong, people. I was wrong. I will say it. I was flat out wrong about Matt Patricia in Detroit. I said, do not fade elite players. Don't do it. I learned my lesson from A.J. Brown, and I didn't fade DeAndre Swift. And I still don't think I would fade DeAndre Swift, but I would definitely fade him at ADP. I was drafting him in the third round of Dynasty Startup Drafts this year, expecting rushing production. And that is my angst with DeAndre Swift and the Detroit Lions, is he is not receiving carries out of the backfield. I understand that targets and receptions are worth more in fantasy football than a carry is, right? Inherently, I mean, you get you catch the ball. It doesn't matter if you go zero yards, you get a point in PPR leagues, opposed to one carry for zero yards, unless it's a point per carry. And you ain't getting in point per carry leagues. Who who the hell would do that? It's like a quarter of a point per carry. DeAndre Swift, I, I just, I don't know. AP's there. Carrion is there. Matt Patrice is there. He's a rookie faller, man. It doesn't mean I don't like him for Dynasty. That doesn't mean I'm out on DeAndre Swift long-term. But this season, this season right here in 2020, outside of an injury, man, I mean, shit, that might be it. I mean, I'm just I'm so disappointed in Detroit and their use 
of him. He was basically a first-round pick. I believe he was the second pick in the second round. They had all damn night to think about what they wanted to do. They take DeAndre Swift over J.K. Dobbins. They take him over Jonathan Taylor. They take him over Cam Akers. They take him over Keyshawn Vaughn and everybody else, and then you don't utilize him. It makes no sense. So him being a faller is not because he's on the field and stinking it up. He's not on the field. He's not getting the ball. Now, is it because of the injury that he had coming into the season? Is it because of practice? Is it because of play? I don't know. All I know is he's not on the field. He's not playing. He's a damn faller. And if anybody out there wants to debate it again, bring it on, baby. I want all the smoke. Let's move on to the last RB, Jonathan Taylor. Listen, starting running back, Marlon Mack out, torn Achilles, JT show. He was all right this game, you know. He 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 did what he needed to do. He scored a touchdown. His vision was questionable. Can't wait for the all twenty-two film to come out. Not fading JT. He's not a faller. He's still good. Can't go any higher than RB RB one RB two in the twenty twenty class for rookies. But there were some yards left on the field. I was watching the broadcast. What the hell is he looking at? Where's he going? There's the hole right there. But JT. Still, sky high. If there's anybody worried about anything with Jonathan Taylor, trade for him. He's a stud. He's good. He's great. I also made a couple of sweet deals this past week. I'll do a show just talking about trades that I've seen, trades that I've been privy to, trades that I've watched happen. I think there's a lot of value to be gained in talking about trades. Uh, So I'm going to do a show later this week just focused all on trades. It should be really, really fun. Maybe I'll do that with uh, McDowell here coming up. All right, let's transition to the wide receivers. Now, we already talked about Justin Jefferson, stud, 7-175 and one, but there were some other rookie, like, great performances from some of these young wide receivers, and Brandon Ayuk is one of the first names that popped to mind, 30 yards rushing on the ground, 70 yards through the air, touchdown on the ground, they want to get this dynamic playmaker the ball, and he moves at a different speed. I know he only timed at foot five, but when you watch him at Arizona State and you watch him with the San Francisco 49ers, his on-field speed is much faster than what he timed at in his underwear at the Underwear Olympics in Indianapolis back in February. Brandon Ayuk, with Debo Samuel out, there was tons of positive buzz surrounding Brandon Ayuk during training camp. And he looks like he's going to be a big part of that offense with George Kittle nursing an injury. Debo still hurt. Even when those guys come back, it's Kittle, it's Debo, it's Ayuk. Hey, it's Kyle Shanahan. He knows how to get his playmakers the ball. Ayuk stock way up on this player. I believe I had him ranked eighth or ninth in the in the 2020 class, the wide receiver position pre-draft. Listen, it's only going up. Ayuk looked really, really good this past Sunday, as did T. Higgins. It is T. Higgins time, baby. I am excited for big T. Higgins. Uh, he got a lot of slack during the pre-draft process. He didn't want to go to the combine because he didn't have enough time. Then he did a pro day and didn't test that well. But anytime you turn on the tape of Clemson, that dude was balling. And in his final season, I really wanted to see him take a step forward. The hype was all around Justin Ross. T. Higgins went out there and showed that he was the alpha. He was the man. And he looks like he's going to be the man along with Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. That connection is going to be marvelous. Marvelous. And I know they're continuing to try to force feed A.J. Green the ball. It ain't working, man. Get Big T. Higgins the ball. Two touchdowns this past week. He had 40 yards, nine targets, second to Tyler Boyd on that team. Boyd had like 13 targets from Joe Burrow. It's going to be Burrow to Higgins. We're going to hear that a lot. That's a good combination. T. Higgins looked outstanding, and he is a player who is on waivers in your traditional redraft leagues. 
definitely would be all about some T Higgins and dynasty. I definitely would be all about T Higgins. It's crazy because I sold Justin Jefferson and T Higgins both last week in a league. Again, I'll talk about it in a trade show, let you know what ended up happening. I think I got two really good running backs out of making those move. But T Higgins is somebody that I'm very high on. I think he's going to be a very good wide receiver at the next level. And you know, when you're talking about next season, I think he's definitely in that conversation as a top 24 wide receiver in the NFL. So go out, trade for T Higgins, pick him up in your traditional redraft leagues. T Higgins is going to be a stud. All right, let's talk about Jerry Judy, who had to step up as the wide receiver one for the Denver Broncos. Five catches, 50 yards, nine targets. A lot of people were talking about KJ Hamler season. You know, Judy looked good. Judy looked good. Left a couple of yards on the ground. I think Judy drops the ball every single week, but he's involved. He's one of the target leaders. I believe he was second to Noah Fant in targets this week, catching balls from Jeff Driscoll, so it's not even a starting quarterback. But good to see Jerry Judy at least step up playing injured. I know he had a little bit of injury coming in with his ribs, but he battled through that, fought well, looked good. Jerry Judy is good. It's good to see him continue to grow and play, and he's only going to get better and better. Jerry Judy, he's good. You know, I, I know a lot of people like to knock him or some people over-glorify him because he's such a great route runner, but he really is a solid football player, and he's showing that in, in his time in Denver with an offense that just really isn't very good right now, and, you know, Tampa Bay really manhandled those guys from start to finish, but Jerry Judy definitely a stock up on him and Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is the last player that I want to talk about. The big wide receiver played at UCF for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is playing lights out right now. Stefan Diggs is a monster. Singletary looked good out of the backfield and Gabe Davis. I mean, this dude's a starter, man, or if he's not a starter, he's early in the rotation um, with, with Brown, with Beasley, with Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is good, man. At UCF, he was a producer, four receptions, 81 yards, critical pass interference call uh, that he drew to help get Buffalo another opportunity. I believe that was an incomplete pass on fourth down. But Gabe Davis, like that's somebody that you can go out and inquire. That's somebody who's not going to cost you a second round pick, probably a third round rookie draft pick, if not a throw in. You know, Gabe Davis is somebody that can definitely, you know, John Brown's not a, not a young spring champion chicken neither is Cole Beasley we can really see Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs be those two starting wide receivers on the outside next year so uh, another player that I'm high on stock and arrow pointed up on Gabe Davis stock arrow pointed down on Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs right now the Raiders came out today and said they're very concerned about the injury that Ruggs suffered and between the last show and this show, uh, Jalen Rager b- broke something or tore some cartilage in a thumb, so he's going to be out six to eight weeks. Probably for this year, it's probably not going to happen for Rager. You know, he everything was it was pointed. The arrow was pointed up from from the training camp bus to the very first game catching that fifty five yard pass. And then it was shoulder injuries. Now it's his thumb injury. It's knocking him out six to eight weeks or whatever the timeline is. But that's an unfortunate situation for a very talented player. And unfortunately for us in fantasy, now watch him go out there like week 16, week 17, when no one starts and we don't play in week 17 and him just ball the hell out. But those are two players who kind of, man, stock down 
a little bit on those guys. Uh, talked about DeAndre Swift a little bit, and that's really it. It was a good week of football. We did not have uh, injury massacres this week. It was relatively smooth, relatively safe, relatively healthy. You know, there were a couple of players that went down, but for the most part, solid week of football fantastic weekend of college football. I'm just so glad CFB is back. KJ Costello, 600 yards. We didn't talk about any rookie tight ends. Harrison Bryant caught another touchdown. Adam Troutman caught two passes. But outside of that, get ready for Kyle Pitts, who looks like a monster. I've been telling y'all for over a year now, Kyle Pitts is that dude. Brevin Jordan looks like a monster. The Big Ten is back. Pat Fryermuth, we'll get to see him play. Hunter Long from Boston College is playing well. Man, this is good. This is good for Dynasty, and this is, let me tell y'all something, Matt. Let me, let me tell you something before we get the hell out of here. All of yous, all of you, that Dynasty, you play Debbie too. And if you're, let me explain this to you, because you love your rookie picks, you love those rookie picks, right? You love them. You trade for them, you trade them away, you try to get them. Why not put a face to a name? Instead of trading for Ray GQ's first round pick, why don't you just trade for Justin Fields? Why don't you trade for Trevor Lawrence or Jamar Chase or Rondell Moore or Rashad Bateman or Travis Etienne or Najee Harris or Jalen Waddle? Trade for the player. That's all Debbie is, man. It gives you another layer. If you like the wheel and deal, not only can you trade draft picks, you could trade your Debbie picks. You could trade your Debbie players. You could trade your NFL players. It is, it is, it's by far the funnest way to dynasty so if you're not involved in a debbie league you want to get involved in a debbie league i encourage you to be involved in a debbie league it only keeps you one step ahead of the curve one step ahead of your league mates one step ahead of the game i got you covered patreon.com forward slash all gas be in the best the best debbie dynasty community in fantasy football bar none these dudes are crazy talking damn college talking prospects talking film talking nfl talking trades analyzing trades day in and day out i promise you it is well worth your seven dollars and if you do it annually you could save 10 percent on your patreon membership over there at destination debbie patreon.com forward slash all gas check it out and uh i'll be doing some stuff with monkey knife fight this week it was a bad week for me and monkey knife bad week bad week some player shit to bed just just completely crushed my games in monkey knife fight but we are back at it this week i feel really good about some of the matchups i believe the rams play the giants i'm firing up more or less games with jared goff and daryl henderson and you should jump in with me because it's fun you can win money and you don't have to worry about like on some of these other uh sites where you play these games going against somebody that throws in 200 lineups and you're just throwing in one right you only got a couple of bucks run over to monkey knife fight put in a deposit up to 50 bucks use the promo code debbie they match you that's a hundred monkey knife fight dollars that you can play with to win some cold hard moolah we can make that happen man promo code debbie monkey knife fight patreon.com forward slash all gas subscribe to the pod subscribe to the youtube channel stay locked in baby we got you covered but you know what's next man i'm rambling drop the damn music
You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. And don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash.